Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week, we watch three movies requested by listeners who left us an iTunes review. Thank you very much for doing that. The first one of these movies is Samurai Cop, directed by Amir Shervin, if I pronounce that right, and released in 1991. The plot of Samurai Cop, such as it is, goes like this. Joe Marshall is apparently an expert samurai as well as being a San Diego cop. When the Katana Crime Syndicate starts operating a drug ring in Los Angeles, he's brought in to clean up the streets. Katana's Crime Syndicate. Okay. So, uh, Samurai Cop is a B, I think calling it a B movie is a, is is a generous, generous, a, a Z movie that would from be the States more accurate. from 1980, 1991, 1991, that's right. Because when it said 1991, I was like, it looks like it's at it least Deeply, genuinely loved Birdemic. Yeah. But I think the main difference between Birdemic and Samurai Cop is that Samurai Cop has, uh, it, it's this, got this really nasty mean streak. Mm. Like it's made to be as exploitative and pulpy and gross as it possibly can be. And that's not fun for me. I, I have a lot more fun with a movie that's really, really earnest about global warming and wants it to stop mm. and can't make a movie to save itself, you know? Yeah. My, my biggest problem with this movie was that I couldn't take the lead seriously and I really, really hated him as well. <laughs> he was the a character's just so, the worst. Yeah, so you couldn't take him seriously because he's this well, he's a allegedly a fluent Japanese speaker <laughs> and he doesn't know how to speak Japanese or carry a sword or do anything. But he's also there's two a terrible that cop. he's able to do, right? There's two reasons that they bring him across the country. One, he speaks fluent Japanese can't pronounce a single Japanese name that he's asked to pronounce and never actually speaks more than one word of Japanese mm. at a time. Two, he's a trained uh, samurai, samurai, can't hold a sword and can't fight to save himself and looks really, really uncomfortable and mm. stiff in fight scenes. Those are the only two things that they expected this guy to be able to do. Yeah, and in addition, though, like if, if it had just been that he was really, really bad, I might have given it a pass. Well, but- it might have been funny. But he was an awful person. I kept calling him Officer Billy Ray because I couldn't remember his name. But he is... His name is Joe. Joe, yeah. And he's, like, the worst. He is... He hates everybody. He's really... He's got a real bloodlust. He actually wants to go out and kill people and fights with his boss over being allowed to go out and kill people instead of, you know, do his job and be a cop and arrest them. And he's just... He's horrible to women. He's racist. He's just and the racist thing so is particularly unpleasant. funny because the scene I think the scene that I found the funniest was the one when they go he goes to confront some people some the the Japanese bad guy yeah. in a restaurant. This is the restaurant that's owned by the love interest who is just so bland that I didn't realize she was supposed to be the love interest until well after I should have. Um, and so he goes to this restaurant and and he's talking to the Japanese the um the the gang boss and he's like we don't mind good hard-working japanese businessmen here but oh. you're a bad person and we don't like crime and he goes on this like f- minute and a half long speech about like how you know it's model okay minorities to- yeah basically. model minorities and uh and it's just the funniest worst delivered worst written speech and then after that there's this um latino like busboy waiter guy mm. 
who was the most offensive stereotype I think I've ever seen in a movie because mm. he's not only the most racist but also the most homophobic stereotype that you've ever seen. Mm. Like I couldn't – I thought some of this movie it seemed like they were really trying to be a comedy but badly, mm. like especially in that scene and anything that – um. Frank, who is uh, Joe's black partner, does oh. seems like he's come out of a police academy movie. Right, he loves to make terrible puns, and but he also has reactions to what Joe's doing directly to the camera. Like in that, there's a conversation that that Joe has with a nurse mm. where he's hitting on a nurse, and oh. it's the most awkward flirting dialogue you've ever heard. Well, this is the other problem with this movie is that nobody can act. No, which no. is I guess Bedemic well, had I, that actually, problem too. To but... be fair, I didn't think Frank was that bad. No, Frank was okay, and um, and Robert Zadar is Robert Zadar, yeah. Who he's the I, saving grace of this who movie. Who is the other white guy pretending to be a samurai? But you explained to me that apparently he's meant to be Japanese, and I knew knew they were using a Japanese name on him. But like, Yamashita. he's literally a white guy. Mm. They don't they they don't even yellow face him. He's just a white dude. Well, he's got black hair <laughs> and sort of a tan. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's supposed to be playing like straight yeah. up a Japanese. Person. Uh, anyway, the two main samurai who are supposed to be these great fighters. This is the boss battle at the end between these two. These the sped two up one. White guys. It was so bad. I was that just so glad we got so bad. to that battle because I was like, oh, now it will be over. This movie was, it felt really long. I made, we watched three movies for this episode. It felt a lot and, less long than 2001 well, Space Odyssey see, did. Now, I would, I don't know that it did. Both of them, I see, needed at to least stop I could and laugh take breaks. At, this, at least I could, like, laugh at this one. And also, I could kind of tune out and not miss anything. Yeah. Whenever, there were, were a couple of times when you could laugh. That's true. Yeah. And also, like, I, I didn't have to take it seriously, I think was more the issue. Like, I don't I don't have to pay attention and take it seriously because it's not held up as some great film in cinema history. It's yeah. just what it is. So, for me, it wasn't as hard to watch because it was just like, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, no, it wasn't. And it wasn't as much true. of a drag for me. Um, but it, it is – I mean, it's terrible. Don't get me wrong. Like, But it's, it's also uh, – going back to the Robert Zadar thing and the sword fight and stuff, I think actually – I. Even though it, they're terrible, I really like the scenes with him and female henchmen. I think. Oh, is her she was title. my favorite, the redhead. Yeah, she's she. The actress only has one name. <laughs> um, you, that means sign. you know she's awesome. Yeah, Cameron. I think her name is, and she just like is so so hot for him every time he kills somebody, <laughs> and it cracks me up. And I kind of like their weird twisted like romance that they've got going yeah, on, yeah. where like he kills people and people, and then they shag. Like I that seemed yeah. that actually seemed more respectful of women than any other relationship mm. in the movie. Oh, I know. One of the most wonderful, terrible scenes is at the hospital where she's dressed as a nurse and they go into yeah, his that room scene and is kill fun, that guy. Though. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, the, the killing of the guy, especially when they cut off the head and it's in a sheet and stuff and you can't see anything is is bad, but it's fun. Yeah. And I think that's something also that Robert Zadar, um, Robert Zadar has a, uh, had a disability. He died just recently, actually. Mm-hmm. And he had a disability that made him, uh, made a lot of fluid or something like um oh, collecting his yeah. jaw so he has this amazing face that like his jaw is just enormous and he used it you know to his mm. advantage in movies yeah. rather than uh which i think is great uh, he was also in um um tango and cash um, in the prison, and he's been in a few other things as well. So he he kind of uh, was quite big in sort of the 80s and early 90s mm. as like a he's bad henchman type. He's the only person in this movie who could be considered any kind of a an actor that anyone's yeah. heard of. Well, I, I quite liked – I thought he – like, and I, I kind of appreciated the things that he was trying to do. Mm. Like, 
he would be quite soft-spoken and then he would go all crazy and kill somebody. And I thought that was kind of like he, mm. there were acting choices involved <laughs> in that, which is different. Yeah, from, unlike well, for Billy also, Ray, who was just yeah. barely getting his lines out. There were times also <laughs> when he forgot his lines <laughs> and they left the flubbed line in. And yeah, not just him either, the um, the boss as the well. I remember. They both had it. And then there was one scene where the boss is like shaking, wagging his finger at Billy Ray and his partner <laughs> and they stop and they hold onto him yeah. wagging his finger out the door for like a full 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> what? And, then, and that's before you even get to, like, I, I swear to God, like 30% of the dialogue is ADR'd. There's oh, yeah, yeah. so much stuff that's coming from people who are speaking somewhere else who aren't in shot, but you can tell has been ADR'd and it doesn't quite match up to the other dialogue. And speaking of not matching up, like, there are shots, there's that opening car chase scene where, like, <laughs> the time of day. Notes. I should have brought my notes. I actually wrote of, notes on I this I wrote maybe. notes on this too, but they're not actually all that useful. Mine um, were great. I just left them at home. Yeah. But um, that scene, like, the light doesn't match. Mm. You they, they look like they were filmed in two different towns at two different times of year. No, 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 but they're not. They're all filmed on the same stretch of road because <laughs> you can see them go back over yeah, the same and stretch clearly of road. They, like, and they lost, they lost the light, but they just kept shooting like, yeah, that'll do. And, and they reuse lines and scenes five times or six times And the sound doesn't match up yeah. either. You're just like, oh, God. Like, and this is a space. I specifically stuff. remember where they throw a guy out the back. The bad guys throw the guy out the back of the van. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, like, have to screech to a stop not to hit him. And I was like, okay. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, simultaneously, that poor stuntman. And I'm like, that awesome stuntman. <laughs> yeah, that like, was a very yeah real scary looking stunt. That was a good stunt. stunt. But the whole – and then they burn this guy and he's burning for ages and then he's mm. the one in the hospital that gets killed. And yeah, that was awful. Then Joe's hitting on the nurse. And also Joe hits on women while – so he's having sex with one of his co-workers. Oh, and I couldn't tell if – poor – poor Peggy, thought that they were dating or she was just using him as well. Mm. I couldn't really figure that out. Towards the end of the movie, I started to think, yeah, maybe she's just like, yeah. they're just kind of, you know, she was, buddies or whatever. Yeah. Well, I thought actually thought that from the start because she's no, not because a very good actress and she's this hotshot helicopter pilot. I think the reason I thought it was because at one point he's like talking about this hot girl he shagged at one point mm. and, and he's like, she's the hottest I ever had. And Peggy's like, hey, and he's like, just kidding, baby, you know, you're the hottest I ever had. So I thought maybe at that point that sh that they were mm. dating, but then apparently not. And then Peggy gets treated. No woman ties Joe horribly. Marshall down. Oh, no, yeah. it's so, the movie is so misogynistic. It's revolting. But Peggy gets tortured to try and find Joe's whereabouts and then gives him up. Yeah. Because women and can't then be they just Katie, don't you know? No, and then they just keep burning her anyway. And that's directly—is that immediately after or before this? No, it's immediately after the scene where there's another cop and his wife is like and she's stripped just, and then murdered yeah, in front of him, just straight away. Yeah, one after the other. That is a note I made. First, we we just murder a woman who's only just come into the scene, and then we torture another one. Like mm. this, is every awful. woman in this movie, except that nurse. Now that I think about it, is either topless or full frontal naked mm. and has a sex scene. And the sex scenes oh, are among the worst sex scenes I have just ever seen. So awful. The rest of except the movie, maybe not quite as bad as the one in Birdemic. Maybe yeah, but the the rest the of the movie. Feet. Oh god, they can't get they can't get the sound right. You can't hear mm -hmm. what's going on half the time. The dialogue doesn't match up. The voices don't match up. The sex scenes you hear every Everything. excruciating bit of dialogue, every slurp, every bit of skin hitting another bit of skin. The first sex scene though. 
where Joe and Peggy are having sex, I think Joe's asleep. <laughs> he's laying da- laying back, and I think he's having a nap. And Peggy is j- he's just letting her do all the work. I'm like, he's just the worst person ever. How could I ever think of this cop as a hero? I know he. You don't root for him. I was actually like, when they thought I thought at one point anyone else but him, they might kill Frank, and then I was kind of oh, sad I was worried about that. Yeah, actually, when he first showed up, I was like, oh, it's the black partner. He's gonna die, and I was so happy that he didn't because well, they were too he- busy killing the women. Yeah, I, yeah, but you know. It, it's also really racist, so at least they didn't kill the black yeah, guy. Yeah, that's true. Um, they let him have all the best lines. Also, as well. once I once I decided that the that the chief was like aiming for a J. Jonah Jameson type thing, mm. then I appreciated him a lot more rather than when I just thought he was a bad actor because <laughs> he just yells all of his lines about how terrible they are, and then he turns around and and he suddenly them and is like, like, "Yes, you can go out and kill them. Yeah. Put blood in the streets." Oh, that that whole end bit as well. The whole character journey for joe what well, character journey well no the, joe's whole objective throughout the whole movie is to get his boss to allow him to behave unlawfully and murder people without any kind of consequences that is his whole goal yeah. can i just also what an awful person do you do, they clearly have no concept of any japanese culture whatsoever mm. because firstly their their concept of the samurai code is like wrong <laughs> In many, many ways, it's really, really wrong. Um, the only thing I think that is at all realistic is that when Robert Zdar gets beaten in battle, Yamashita gets beaten in battle, he's like, uh, can you kill me? And he says no, but then he lets him kill himself. Yeah. That's maybe the only thing that's even rooted in any kind of samurai mythology. And even then, it's basically Sorry, wrong. I'm just remembering the line, katana, it's Japanese for sword. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. Because um, nobody can pronounce Yakuza, I'm assuming. Is yeah. I, gave I, the name. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so uh, there's that. But everything else. Because, I mean, samurai don't just go around killing people, which makes Robert Zadar not one. And also mm. makes Joe not one. Yeah. So they're just wrong in general anyway. Well, no, neither so why of them is the movie called Samurai Cop? It has nothing to do with Any it. sense of honor. Maybe just no. a few of them own some swords and some armor. I don't know. Anyway, they're, they're just like truly awful people, all of them. Yeah, uh, and there's just so many bits that just made me want to throw things at him. Like, there's a bit in the re- in the aforementioned restaurant scene. There's a the the blonde girl is there, the love interest, and he's like, "What's an all American Jennifer? Oh, I don't remember. What's an all American girl like you doing with a geek like this? Like, oh, that line so, was so bad. bad. And I think they're using the word geek in place of a racial slur there. I think he just yeah. and I'm just like, what? Yeah. What is this? So an all-American girl. Good grief. Yeah. And then their scenes together, there's, they go to the beach together. Oh, and, oh the swimsuit. And he, yes. they look like they're in a bodybuilding competition. And his, he looks like he borrowed her bikini bottoms. Like they're like full-on French cut, like go all the way up. Oh, man. That's Some of the so greatest funny. 80s swimwear there. It's amazing. And then they just literally, they don't have an ending for the movie. So they reuse they go to, a bit yeah, from that scene. <laughs> No, it's, I don't think it's even a separate scene. I think they just reuse a bit from that scene. Like, yeah, there's yeah, no... yeah. No, that's that's what I've written. Beach again. Sure, why not? <laughs> there's no ending. There is literally no, no ending the, the, for this movie. The boss battle ends. The guy he kills himself, and then then we we go to the beach again. Yeah, and that's it. And then a terrible. But to bikinis. be fair, there's no beginning to this movie no. either. We're just dropped in the middle so, of a yeah, conversation. So I was worried that I'd gotten a dodgy copy of it. Yeah. <laughs> 
And I was like, did I start somewhere wrong? And I yeah. re rechecked that I'd got yeah. the right thing and I was, nope, you just dropped straight in. Yeah, it literally drops you right in the middle of a conversation between the Yakuza guys. Yeah, and you're just like, what, what? D did I, oh, okay. Also, uh, there's there's certain things that they just repeat and repeat. Aww. Like there's the there's this thing where they go, oh, it's the boss. The boss is here. But there's like five different bosses, but they always say the same thing. It's the boss. And it's usually Cameron who says it. <laughs> mm -hmm. The boss is coming. The boss is here. And then it's supposed to be this big entrance and he just sort of wanders in. <laughs> and you're like, what is happening? Also, we have to sit through three sex scenes with Officer Billy Joe and I just can't even deal I with it. I have three because there's also one with, oh, the, there's one with the large Japanese, Japanese man. Guy. And um, the redhead. And isn't there another one? Oh, no, because there's one with Robert Zadar and, and her as well. Yeah. Oh, God. I think there are three or four in the whole thing and it's just too, it's whatever it is, it's too many. Yeah, and poor Peggy just yeah, – oh, God. Because I kind I of – I mean, even though she's a terrible it, actress, I kind of like her because well, she's, like, she's really filthy pilot. mouth. Yeah, exactly. And funny. Which is why I or attempting no to be funny problem buying her and him being just buddies. It's always – what is it? It's always hard or whatever yeah. it was that they say. <laughs> like, in the beginning while they're in this chase scene, there's one that's like, it's always hard and ready for you, baby, or whatever it was. I was like, yeah, I was excited going on? you don't see many, many women helicopter pilots, so that was cool for me with her but they're just it's like they used it as an excuse of we wrote a strong female character she's a helicopter pilot so therefore we've done everything we have to do yeah i mean well, i don't the think about they cared is, about strong female characters the only character that i don't feel like got punished was cameron mm. and yeah, yeah. but she gets killed but at the same time i'm like yeah but that's because she's a bad person she was always not because of anything mm. she did particular like not because she's a woman well, she but was, because she's actually one of the bad yeah, guys she was always true to her ideals nobody she didn't take any shit from anybody yeah she whereas was, like Jennifer gets kidnapped and, and damseled, mm. right, and has to be saved. And then the poor wife just gets murdered and Peggy gets tortured. But at least Cameron just dies because she's a bad person. Yeah. <laughs> like, just she's just one of the bad yeah, guys. Yeah, legitimately. So she was goes like, down with her boots on. Etc. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We can probably just about wrap it up, oh, actually. Oh, thank God. So, what, what rating would you like to give the uh, amazing Samurai Cop? Zero stars. I also gave it zero out of five stars because it's a terrible, terrible movie and it's not even, like, fun to watch for me like Birdemic was with its minute and a half song break. <laughs> I love that movie. It's so <laughs> earnest and it's trying so Because Samurai Cop isn't trying either. No. I think that's the big problem with it. It just doesn't care. Anyway, so oh, on to movie number two. Second movie is Pride, directed by Matthew Walkus and released in 2014. The plot is... Based on the real-life story of the group of lesbian and gay activists who supported Welsh coal miners during their long 1984 strike. Okay. What? I wrote a I, – I wish I'd brought my plot summary. <laughs> Why? Is that not No, that the is. Movie? It is the movie. I just – it's sort of like – it doesn't give you a good idea of what it is, who the people – it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, and perhaps that does undersell it a little bit because yeah. this movie is wonderful. Oh, I thought it was really sweet. I loved um, it. it. To me, it's kind of in the vein of all those, like, movies about really – British movies about really depressing blue-collar working conditions that are, like, the cutest movies ever, mm. like The Full Monty and Brastoff and Billy Elliot yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff. It, it, I loved it in that sense as well. I just thought it was lovely. It and is. I wish – I wish we'd gotten to see it when it came out. It's a very sweet movie. It's very Yeah, I remember when it came out and we kept going like, we should see it, but then there were so many things one of those, on. Yeah, one of those things we just missed. Yeah, it, it, I just thought it was and, – and, of course, there's a whole a few things in there that are total catnip for me, which is like <laughs> idealistic left-wing politics and, you know, people working together and 
awesome working class people and like oh my favorite character was a fat girl as well that oh was i so love exciting. her god she i love amazing. her she's just her and mark i think are the standouts of the oh, movie mark, he's um just... the guy who plays mark by the way is american mm, i know i was shocked because like usually you can figure that out with one american in a cast full of brits no idea i genuinely yeah, thought well he was i British. genuinely thought that because Andrew Scott was also in there and he was having a heck of a time covering up his native Irish accent. Well, because he's playing Welsh. He was, he was playing Welsh, but he was his, na- his native accent's Northern Irish. Yeah. And I genuinely thought this guy was from Northern Ireland. Yeah. I would not have doubted that for a minute. That Mark Ashton character, I mean, Mark Ashton obviously was a real person. But, yeah, he was just amazing, he that was, actor. And he then had the end, so he come- much going on just in, oh. like, still scenes and that weird – there was one scene that's really odd and seems really out of place to me, and I think it's because my screener, my my uh, version glitched at the beginning. Ah, oh. is he? Does he sleep with Big Ear Werewolf Guy at the beginning of the movie? You mean glasses and beanie? No, no, no. Because in the in, you know in the club, mm. he sees um he's a he's, oh um, Alonso Alonzi Alonso Russell Tovey. Oh, Thank you. you. Ears. I did the same thing. I'm like, what's his name? Ears. Ears. Yeah. Um. No, Russell Tovey. I've I think he has slept with him and I'm I'm assuming that's how he got AIDS because that scene in the club later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, he clearly yeah. – yeah. So I just, just – that didn't happen on screen but – Oh, because I, I know – I knew I'd missed – because he's walking out and there was somebody talking to him and I didn't see the person who was talking to him right at the beginning of the film because yeah. it glitched a little and I was like, I don't know who – so I assumed that was Russell Tovey, that he's walking out of his apartment. No, he the, only shows oh. up in that. See, I thought that scene was weird and out, kind of out of place. And Russell Tovey was too big an actor to put in it. Well, that was because it was, was really distracting. It was for really me. weird because I was like, "Is that is that Biggie? What? <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> he is. I just think of him as ears, which is terrible. I know. It I'm is like terrible. Doctor Who. Ears. Yeah. Alonso. <laughs> and he played because yeah. he played a werewolf on Being Human. Yes, that which too. is where the werewolf thing. Yeah, yeah, and he's a really big name actor, but he just. I mean, perhaps, um, given that he's you know one of very few big name gay actors in Britain, he wanted. To oh, be in it. Yeah, like, I understand that. Chance. I just felt like that scene was really kind of jarring. Yeah. Because it is kind of out of nowhere. Like, it's in a weird place as well. See, I actually thought that stuff was done quite well because I thought there was a really good weaving in of the fact that to be gay in the 80s meant the specter of AIDS hanging over Oh, you. yeah. No, that wasn't thought, the problem. It was the, the, it was the actual Toby. moment of it. Yeah. Because it's this famous actor who comes in. They've just had this big scene mm. and then a famous actor comes in and it's not like a – uh, and he a never coming comes down back from the either. big se- yeah exactly he's only in it for that one thing and it's not like it's a coming down from the big scene either it's just kind of like the it, it jarred with the pacing for me mm. it was just an odd moment but i liked the movie mm. um but like i i figured i'd miss something with that because no. it just seems so odd it, i i liked that but I the reason that i was going to bring up that scene is cuz it i think that's one of the best scenes for the actor because there's so much going on mm. inside him and he doesn't really say anything. And that's through the whole movie. You can see there's this like really dark fire in his eyes that he, that is the kind of cause of everything that he does. And like every so often there's just, there's not enough attention on him and he'll suddenly burst out with something. He's and it's really just, interesting. He's really interesting. I read this morning in a Guardian piece from when this film came out that interviewed some of the people who were still around, like, mm. for example, Jonathan. Yeah, and he was one of the first people who were diagnosed with HIV, who were diagnosed HIV positive in England, and he's still alive. He's just had his, he'd probably now have had his 66th birthday. Yeah. He got his pension card. Like, he, he anyway, so they, they, this thing had an interview with him, with Sean Jones, who's the aforementioned fat Our girl. Our favourite. 
our favourite, who ended up becoming a Labour MP, which she did for 10 years and she's just recently retired and is like, you know, a pretty badass lady. And then Di Donovan, who's also a total badass as well. Oh, Paddy Considine. He yeah. was so sexy in that movie. He was lovely. I've never been attracted to Paddy Considine and in this movie I was like, oh, he's so cute. I wasn't attracted to him. I was. I found him a bit daddish, but sure, well, no, whatever. I think it's just because he's like, he's so nice and sweet and accepting. And like, I've never seen him play somebody that I would like before. Right. And yes, then when he, he plays somebody usually, I was like, yeah. I would like, I was like, oh, he's a good looking guy. It's, yeah, that's it's definitely not his thing that I have. Shtick. He did. Yeah. But he did a really good job. Anyway, so reading this thing, Mark Ashton, I think, God, he would have been an amazing person to know. He just seems like every single person who talked about him, he knew him, was like, Oh, he was just this natural leader. He was incredibly charismatic. And they say these amazing things about the actor who played him, who's um, Ben Schnetzer. 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 Um, and they just say, you know, he, it felt like seeing him again. And I think that that's obviously like a huge compliment. But there's this line in the interview, that has, the uh, article that has stuck with me that's like, in parts of Wales they talk about Mark Ashton as if he were Joan of Arc. Mm. And I'm just like, yeah, I can see that in this movie. This That kid, wow, that intensity. Yeah, he's amazing. And I think the thing is he so overshadows um, the other dude. I think his name is also Joe, George oh, McKay. Yes, the, ca- the I only just name wrote is, my review of Joe. this. So. Character's name is Joe, yeah. Yeah, well, and he, yeah. He's, he's so overshadowed by this really good performance. He is. He's almost like yeah, Mark is more of our our lead in many ways. Cause well, I think Joe, they're both kind of our leads because we get Mark and then Joe – and then we get them coming together. So I think they're meant to be our two leads. Yeah. But like for well, me, yeah, Joe's, your Joe's just kind of around until I can see Mark again I think, or see Sean again or something. Interestingly, Joe's an original character. Mark was a real person. Well, see, there you go. Don't put original characters in these yeah. things, guys. Um, I also think there's something missing in there with Joe. I think we actually, because they're too busy focusing on the bigger struggle, the bigger ideology, we don't actually get the real – um, meat of Joe's dealing with his parents and his coming out. Well, I think also that that's such a maybe they wanted to force that in there, but it's such a trite kind of story that we've seen before. And I'm not trying to dismiss anybody's actual experience of being like that, but like it is like when you say it's an original character, suddenly that makes more sense to me mm-hmm. because that that is just very by the numbers we've seen this happen already. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I, and I don't like exactly. I don't feel I don't really feel anything there. I'm like, of course Joe's going to get out of his parents' house. Like, obviously that's going to happen and this is how it's going to work and this is going to hit this beat and this beat. Yeah. There was no – I didn't feel any – I didn't feel with him. No. I, and I think Actually, I think the only time I did was when he was in bed with the lesbian girl. Mm. I thought that was a nice scene. That was really sweet. But the rest of the time I just could could completely leave him. Oh, there's a bit where um, he makes out with a cute boy at the concert. I oh, was yeah. pretty happy for him then. Uh, and I actually also forgot when he shows up at the town to support mm. the miners going back and then Sean's husband comes over and gives him a hug and, and I was like, there. oh, I liked that. Yes. And the scene went after that with Mark was actually, quite Actually, Sean's husband has one of the – nicer journeys he's like at the beginning he's he's very much like oh no i don't Can't rock i don't know boat. any gay people don't want to rock the boat and he he really comes around i think he's got one of the more interesting journeys there because obviously well, shan's anything eh? shan's a want to rock the boat <laughs> when she says that I, I watched that scene and i just i, I just love how heterosexual she's actually <laughs> yeah <laughs> well because i when i was at Seoul british school this is gonna be cut when i was at Seoul british school um as a kid. No, I'll probably leave it in. I've heard this story like a thousand times. Well, uh, I, I had a lot of Welsh teachers. Um, it was a British school and, and, you know, all the teachers were British, but quite a few of them were Welsh. And I picked up these, like, 
Welsh intonations and ways of speaking and ways of like raising my voice at the end of sentences like it's a question and things like that, which is all very Welsh. Um, and it took me years <laughs> before that kind of started to go away a bit. So yeah, listening to Welsh accents for me is just kind of, it's very, very nostalgic. I think also looking at the 80s setting and listening to the Welsh accents and then like warm muted tones gave you this really warm nostalgic feeling. Mm. And I'm sure nobody else had the Welsh thing, but the other stuff. Yeah, well, it's a very some warm people would have had the Welsh movie. thing. But yeah, it is like that. Like, I mean, and every everything kind of, there's a bit where um, uh, Andrew Scott's character Gethin goes and reunites with his mum, who he hadn't talked to, and like th- there is a lot of very sweet little nostalgic bits there. I thought Andrew Scott was quite good. He was. Oh, he's oh a no, the, bit, I, like accent notwithstanding, he is a brilliant actor. He's he's a bit fair bit uh, more a bit darker than a lot of the other characters. So it was interesting to see, but especially when you compare him to Dominic Scott as um, Dominic West. Far out. How many Dominics are there? I was sure I had. The I right had to one look this one up. I was like, I kept getting Dominic West and Dominic Cooper mixed up. Yeah, I, and always... I did realize I'd only ever actually seen Dominic Cooper. I didn't actually know who Dominic West was, and I hadn't really seen him anything before this. <laughs> um, Dominic West. Oh, it's because Andrew Scott was what I was just saying. Ah, right. Yeah. Dominic West was really good as well, but he's so bright Mm. and Gethin is kind of dark and I quite liked that contrast Mm. in that relationship. And of course, uh, Jonathan has one of the best scenes when he dances with everybody and and all the girls start dancing and it's Imelda Staunton is having such a good time. I will share this Guardian article because it contains a photo of Jonathan dancing and... um, (laughs) And Sean dancing next to him. He, again, he's another one who has a journey from apathy to kind of being at the, the heart of the group. And I think that, and that couple were interesting as well because there's that dynamic of these sort of young activists who are, you know, they're all like under 25. They're all gung-ho, want to get out there. And they're, they're actually a couple of older guys mm. in there kind of. And that's what um, Andrew Scott and, and, um, and Dominic West characters kind of bring to the group. They bring a bit of something to the dynamic. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I like a lot of that stuff. And then there's the lesbians, um, oh, one of whom is Lavender Brown yeah. from Harry Potter. Yeah. And, like, they bring up some interesting and I think valid points. Yeah, that the men all dismiss. Or is this not a safe space for you? Um, yeah. No, not just – I think it's the fact that, like, because the lesbian contributions are always overlooked and it's always, like, mm. the gay men that are kind of, like – and so they try to make their own group, which I don't necessarily think was the best solution to that yeah, problem. But, but I can but, but see why. But at the same time – when but she they're talks kind about of demonized for it. Which safe spaces, fair. yeah. The, the boys just make fun of them. Like mm. this is exactly what a not safe space feels like. Yeah. And of course, they're trying to talk about the role of the the women in the mining communities and actually supporting the women and giving them a bit of space because the women are essentially holding these communities together. A lot of well, them also, the with the job apart and, from the one bad guy woman, and I mm. did feel like the good and bad was a little bit yeah, it was a bit too simplified there. Um, but the bad guy woman is the only woman in the town basically who doesn't accept them. Mm. Like the women are the first ones to be just like, yes, yeah. Yeah, which I and, think and is fairly accurate to be honest. Well, sort of, but it's also a big massive stereotype that the the straight women of the small town are looking for a little bit of excitement and the gay men can bring that. Yeah, but I also think that in general, if you're going to have something like that, because it's, it's that kind of masculinity feeling threatened thing and women – are much less likely to yeah. feel that way when they're being supported by. I, I think that's kind of where it was going with that, rather than. Right. But also that the gay guys kind of spiced up their life a little bit because mm. their lives are boring as hell. Mm. Like this is a tiny mining town; they don't have a lot going on. Yeah. And then a bunch of guys. I mean, especially Dominic West are too. working either. But also, I think that's actually quite kind of a nice thing because, especially earlier than that, there's a bit where one of the other guys in the group goes, um. I feel like if we just t- toned down the flamboyance a bit, 
uh, something around and, and Dominic West goes, just to be clear, by flamboyance you mean gay, and by, by some people you mean me. Mm. And then he goes, I haven't spoken 50s in a while, and I, I loved that. But also yeah. I think that, like, because he sets that up as his, like, he because he sets that up beforehand, mm. giving that to the women in the town I think is, is like, more his agency. Mm. Does that make sense? Rather yeah, yeah. than, like, a silly trope. It's something that he genuinely, that's part of him, that's and he gets to share like. that with people mm. who appreciate it. Yeah, exactly, and that, and the, I don't, I don't actually have a problem with that. It's just one of those. The, it is, it's a very simple black and white, good and evil sort of story. Speaking of black and white, uh, it's a very white story. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, um, but England in the eighties was very white. And but they managed to get white. one black extra for the very end. Mm. So if they're going to invent a character to put in there, they could have made him not that guy. They could have made him not a white guy. Yeah. Um, they could have put some diversity in there if they yeah. wanted to. Yeah. Especially since they're making up characters. Yeah, so. I'm sure they could. And well, and reducing them as well. There was a much the original group was much bigger. Mm. So then, yeah, but I think you're going to have to bring it down to like yeah, who yeah. were the major so, characters. Yeah, but you can, you know, the, the the guy you just talk about, the one who talks about toning down the flamboyance. He he has a quite an interesting character journey, but I don't think he's necessarily the only person in the group who would have had a journey like that. No, I and mean, that's quite a. Well, he's. I think he's interesting because he he was like one of the first people to be diagnosed with HIV. So he's. I think actually he's kind of no, integral. no, not Jonathan. I mean the kid, the the kid who says tone down the flamboyance. Oh, that kid. Sorry, I thought you meant. I don't even I remember like, his. So I don't, I don't even remember his name. I don't remember him having a journey. So clearly, well, he can't no, a journey is not the, necessarily the right word. But he's the internalized misogyny, internalized homophobia oh, right. of the group, and. Like, that could have been played by anybody, of course, it but it, it's being played by this pretty little white boy. Actually, I, I seem to remember that at the very beginning, there were a couple of times when I was like, is that Mark? Because he's mm. very similar looking. Yeah. So, uh, well, no, no, no. The, he looks more like Joe. He's blonde. The kid is blonde. So maybe I was thinking, is Joe, that Joe? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I'm sorry. I can't remember exactly. <laughs> no, that's all right. I only watched there are it all the white boys. last night. But yeah, there are. And I was like, I didn't actually know this kid's name, but. He does. He does that. Has that interesting sort of Greek chorus uh, role where he brings out the the internalized homophobia, which I thought is interesting. But yeah, anyone could have played that. I, I have actually gone back to revisit a couple of scenes from this movie as well. Like since I've watched it, mm. I've rewatched a b- couple of bits from it. Also, Bill Nye was good. Oh yeah, he was lovely. Yeah. Um, and he from the very, him. very beginning, you're like, oh, he's gay. And then there's a scene like three quarters away in the movie where he tells him Melda Staunton he's gay, and she's like, oh, I know, sweetie, since like the sixties. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I was confused because I was confused clear. about who she was married to. So I was like, are oh. they married? Is he not married? I couldn't no. tell. I think her husband's dead. No, no. She was walking her She was walking somewhere with an older bloke. So I'm assuming she had a husband, but he was retired. Okay. Because she, she has two sons who are minors, yeah, yeah. but her husband was never around. So I thought he might have died. I know that the other woman's, other husband, woman's husband did die, but he was, he was Bill Nye's yeah. brother. So that's how Bill Nye yeah, was connected I, I to I hadn't picked that up, but only yeah. because I wasn't quite sure where he fit in. I did so, pick that up, I think, fairly early. I think because they talk about him being the brother at some point. So I think I just kind of – and then there's some, like, fun townies that – there's some straight boy townies that mm. learn how to dance and offer Mark a pint when they when he shows up. And I think that's Imelda Staunton's sons. And she's, like, for, like hitting them over the head when they're yeah, not doing Get that. over there and talk to the- – yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I like great. that stuff. She she just seemed to be having a blast doing She really movie. was, yeah. Her and Dominic West seemed to be having a lot of fun doing it. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's just really, it's sweet and nice and I liked watching it and it's got some good music in it too. Mm. And it's a very pleasant kind of 
movie to watch, I suppose. Yeah, and, and like if you're of our political bent, it will make you feel good and it'll make you feel good about some things that are a bit old-fashioned now, like unions and things like that. It'll <laughs> make you feel good about solidarity and organising. And, and, of course, the whole central theme of the movie is intersectionality. It's that, you know, that you have to help each other and that the the miners are demonised for being poor and for being unionists. And the- I thought it was just more about acceptance rather than intersectionality because – there isn't a whole lot of like crossover between those things. There's not a whole lot of miners who like you don't see the miners being gay and you don't see like No, the mi- no, 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 of- not that the miners are gay, that that oppressed groups are better working together yeah, for I each other. I thought that other's- was more kind of acceptance and No, well, cuz Mark Ashton even gives a speech about how what's the use of being for gay rights if you're not for everyone else's rights. Yes. And in real life his speech about that also talked about feminism and you know nuclear disarmament which is big yeah i do feel like feminism was kind of something i i don't like the way that no the the way those lesbians were treated was freaking awful yeah i didn't like that very much and then the lesbian that was cool was the one who who was in the group that was Mm. that was i didn't like that i felt like feminism was kind of demonized a little bit in this movie yeah which i don't think i think that's a story thing not an actual thing that happened yeah exactly that was a choice made by the movie so and that's a I didn't like that very much. Um, yeah, which is a shame because I liked other things, and I like you know there's there's this wonderful scene right at the end when every all the miners come to support them, and it's super cute, mm. and they lead the pride parade. Yeah, and then they have to do the like little downer of Mark died just, and I was like, I knew it was going to come. Yeah, me too. In fact, I kind of thought he might die before the end of the movie. Well, I, I, I was also waiting. The gay for that bashing well. thing was kind of. I don't know if that actually happened at that time, mm. but I feel like it didn't, and I feel like it was kind of forced in to be part of that whole downer segment. Yeah, well, I think because that was, was the, the gay bashing show, bit, the parents rejecting yeah, him. Yeah, because they wanted to the show lost. certain. They had they had to sit, hit certain beats about what being gay in Britain in in the eighties was like, mm. and there had to be the coming out to the parents. There had to be a gay bashing. And there had to be an AIDS thing. I feel like the gay bashing might have actually been placed better at the beginning somewhere. Yeah. It like was... as part of the uh, them struggling in the beginning to be well, accepted. That's what things. we don't – yeah, we don't see a lot of their struggle before we get to the minors. Like right. there isn't – they're just living their lives more than actually – Well, people are saying mean things to them, but mm. it's not like a – I feel like that... – It's not a political str- – like we don't see them struggle – we see them struggle like as individuals, but not we don't actually see them organize as activists in that sense. Yeah. Other than, you know, they have a gay bookshop and all that sort of thing. Yeah, and I do feel like it would have been better it I mean, if they're going to have this awful I, I just I was very upset when that happened. Mm. Um and I felt like it would have been placed better somewhere else where it's not because it just feels like it's an extra thing that they're tacking on at this point and you're like is that really what you guys want to do right now? Do you really want to kind of minimize this particular moment for him by putting it in with, lumping it in with Joe being rejected and the miners losing? Like, I feel like that was kind of a dismissal of what had happened and it wasn't really fair to the character. He was just lumped in as part of this thing. And And, and we had to fit it in somewhere. So, sorry, mate, it's got to be you. Yeah, exactly. Whereas if it happened at the beginning, it might have been more impactful and interesting and and also might have given more weight to his story as the story, the movie went on and stuff like that. I don't know. I just feel like it was ill-placed. Yeah, I think actually... These are relatively minor quibbles in a movie that I liked, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and there's so many things to love about. Like I'm... Even now, I, know, I can see we're getting close to time, and I'm like, if I could do a whole half-hour episode on this one. It was yeah, lovely. you saw it more recently than I did. I did, and also it, it's got a few bits of catnip for me. You remember how I reacted to Selma, and you know how I like those sorts of big idealistic. Yeah. Well, you know, I human like gay struggles. Boys, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know you did. Yeah, 
I actually, I mean, I just you know fell what? in love with love Mark. I was just like, can I take him? Mark and Sean, I just want as real people to be my friends. Oh. And I feel like also Sean is the first time, I think, in any movie ever that I genuinely felt represented. Like, I was going to talk about Sean in a second because Sean is, is a fat girl married to a skinny guy and nothing is ever made of it. They love one another. They fight. They bicker. They do whatever ordinary married couples do. And they, they're clearly attracted to one another. And no nothing is ever said about it. There's no no issues are ever made about it. And I was just I've I've never seen that before. But also she's like And obviously it's a real story and they're real people who yes. are actually married to one another. But yeah. But also the way she is like so outspoken and the way mm. she is so like always standing up for everything and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. And she has very definite political ideas and the people around her are telling her not to talk about them and she's like, Well, I'm going to talk about them and you can all suck it up. Mm. Things like that. I felt it's the first time that I ever felt like there was somebody on screen that I really related mm, to, yeah. maybe ever. Yeah, I thought she was just great. Yeah, I loved her absolutely, and she's just adorable too. That actress is so cute, mm, Jessica Gunning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So, sorry, we should wrap this one up. Um. It was so sweet. Star Little ratings. bits like that, I think, are just and then Imelda Staunton finding the sex toy. <laughs> so <laughs> and, cute. And, and um, Gethin and Jonathan and Jonathan's like, do these women ever sleep? <laughs> And the old lady learning to bake vegan stuff. Yeah. Oh, very sweet. Uh, where are my lesbians? <laughs> it. It's, it's adorable. They're just so cute. Mm. It's so cute. Yeah, I just want to pinch the movie's little cheeks. Exactly. <laughs> um, I gave it four stars. Yeah, me too. Four stars. Fantastic. Okay, right. so we're up to the last one. Movie number three. Yay. Which is Katie's favorite, 2001 A Space Odyssey, directed by Stanley Kubrick and released in, I've lost my place, 1968. The plot, um, which I'm pretty kind of proud of myself for writing this summary because what (laughs) What plot plot? is humans find evidence of extraterrestrial life while colonizing the moon and other planets. So they send a crew on a spaceship powered by the world's most advanced computer, HAL 9000, beyond Jupiter. See, I thought HAL 9000 was a major part of this movie. He's only in less than a third of it, I swear, or a third of it. That third is the movie. This movie, if you edited out the 88 minutes where there's no dialogue. Maybe you don't have to have all of the 88 minutes where there's no dialogue, but if you edited out great chunks of the really long lyrical stuff and the pretty pictures and the random bit with the apes, you could have quite a tight, tense, well-made movie because it's freaking gorgeous. I have never in my life had more trouble getting through a movie than I had with 2001. Both of us have attempted to watch this movie before and failed. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had six intermissions watching it today. <laughs> I did three loads of laundry in between it. No, I was good. I only had two breaks. Um, but, like, I've never struggled. And I, I think the only way I got through it was because I was live tweeting it. And some of you guys may have seen me live tweeting it. It is – it's – my idea of hell is to just be sitting and having to watch this – over and over again and do nothing else. I was going crazy. And I don't know why this movie is just so hard for me to get through because I know it's pretty, but the thing is it holds on the pretty shot for like five minutes. And I'm like, I get it. Five minutes of heavy breathing in space. Ten minutes of elytra with music that goes, like increasing intensity. I couldn't stand. And when you're watching on a computer, the beginning is like there's it's complete blackness with like increasingly shrill music three times that happens at the beginning after intermission and at the end of the movie i am i'm glad i haven't 
had to watch this in a cinema because I would have, well, I'd have been asleep pretty early on. I, I probably would have walked out, man. I couldn't well, take so it. So I, I read the IMDb trivia on this. Apparently 241 people walked out of the premiere. Yeah, I would have been yeah. one of them. Yeah, I mean, you just did this. The thing is, though, I don't hate this movie. I don't even think it's a bad movie necessarily. I just, like, it is such hard going. And the I think the world building is excellent. I think it's incredibly intense. I think there are moments. Really? I don't like feel the like heavy, the world building is amazing Like either. the heavy breathing. and sp- I think there's some really good world building that's been done. And I think it's very well explained. But I think at the same time, what he's trying to do, the way he jumps between things. And I sp- several times I thought I might have missed something. And you did the same, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I went back and well, checked. Well, because I'm always or I, tuned, I was tuning out constantly. Yeah. So every so and often I they would hadn't. say something and I was like, wait, yeah. wait, was that plot? So what, did I miss plot? It turned out I hadn't missed anything. And I think they do a really good job of creating a disconcerting atmosphere, of creating a, a feeling of something's not quite right and we don't know what's not quite right. And I think that is, to me, that's world building and it creates a really intense, intense atmosphere. I think the scene where... He goes out in the pod the but first time in the red suit any of it. with the heavy breathing in the suit. I think that's really well done at building up tension, but it goes on too long. Yeah. it's It does a really good job until, like, I don't know, the, the first bit following him through that uh, that white tunnel in his red suit, then he gets into the pod and he goes out, that, and he's, you hear his breathing increase as he's getting there and he's getting out and he's doing his things in space and all that. That, I think, works really well up to a point. It just, it, like a lot of the other stuff goes on too long um i think they spend a little too much time on that i think it's a moon colony where they first get to where that doctor comes in from out of town and <laughs> god almighty i'm so fucking bored you can't ex- understand how bored i was so, during that i was i was literally i thought like, that was kind of interesting actually oh, no i so in the board meetings i was like board meetings are boring in space too but well, there's a lot of um, he he's I actually think he's really interesting. So that board meeting to me, that's Professor Umbridge addressing back to school feast night. That was he's he's yammering away, yeah, blah 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 blah, and the people are talking. But what he's saying is really intense and like you must follow the party line, and we think you should lie, and it's good for see. To I lie. didn't catch any of that because I was so bored. Oh, I so wasn't he- listening. <laughs> And then I was like, wait, I think I missed something. I went back, tried to listen to it again and tuned out within 30 seconds because I couldn't. I was so bored. And I don't know why. Like, I've watched a lot of boring movies and I know that there's so many movies that owe a lot to this and, like, movies in general owe a lot to this movie. And I know how important it is. And I can't stand it. I can't. Like, when as soon as somebody starts talking, I feel like I just start switch off. So I, it was interesting because a lot of the, a lot of that conversation is the conversation you wouldn't normally see in a movie. Like he, he video chats with his daughter, which is actually totally adorable. Like that conversation, the kid is very natural. Yeah, um, that was a good video chat. Apparently, that's Kubrick's daughter. But that it's all, all of the chatter is really way more naturalistic than you almost ever hear. Because so, then he, then he talks to those Russians. In that, where they're sitting around in that group, and, and there's uh-huh. like a Hilton ad behind them, and the one where I was Pan looking Am. at the chairs. Yeah, they had cool, yeah the cool pink chairs. They're sitting around talking, and they talk really. They talk. They start off quite boring, like it's really boring chit chat. Yeah, exactly. Where from, Which is why doing. I tuned but it out. Then, yeah, but then they he this guy quite quickly starts to interrogate them. Yeah, see, I knew I knew something was happening. So I went back, tried to watch it again, and it just got bored. It, the movie up. has this soporific effect on me. Uh, it's incredibly, yeah. It, it's you got to keep. 
like I don't know how anyone does it without getting up and having a break. And that's why it was such a slog for me is because like you have to try and keep paying attention. But it's kind of like when you're falling asleep and you're supposed to be like when you're trying to read something and you're falling asleep and you literally can't keep your mm. eyes open. That's how I felt about my brain watching this movie. Mm. I literally couldn't keep my brain on topic but to listen. I, I I had trouble following what was going on as well. Like I sort of understood him getting there and telling them that they had to lie. But yeah, see, I knew there was a cover story, but I couldn't figure out I, what the cover story was. But then then we have a bit of exploration go on, and there's this amazing shot where people in spacesuits like there's a there's an amazing shot. Yeah, there's the Stargate. There's the Stargate. The, what's called the Stargate scene, where that thing, that star shaped thing, opens up and the uh, and a another another landing craft lands somewhere. And and then there's this wonderful handheld stuff with these people in spacesuits where they walk down and and I think because we get it explained to us later that's where they find evidence of extraterrestrials. No, because they do because they hear this noise and They're I was like, did they beeping. explain what this noise no, was going to be? You just be hear before? this beeping noise, and if you're watching it like I was on a computer with headphones, it comes through your headphones as as it would have it, their spacesuits. That's very effective, very clever. But then all of a sudden we go to 18 months later, Jupiter mission. Yeah, and I'm like, did I? And I had I stopped. I Googled, I Googled the intertitles to check I hadn't missed one. Yeah. And I hadn't. But now we're on the Jupiter mission. But we don't find out what the Jupiter mission is about until the very end when we finally they finally shut down Hal and the um pre-recorded tape tells them about what they what Hal the mission's was funny. about. I like Hal. Hal I was the only character in that entire movie that is remotely interesting for any period of time. I couldn't like I couldn't tell the difference between those two dudes until one of them died and the other one started being called Dave. And I was like, <laughs> "Oh, it's Dave." Same, they have almost the same face, except I yeah. think I thought Kia Kia Delia's face was slightly more interesting and the other one's was yeah, slightly one more a boyish. Dimple. <laughs> but really, I had a lot like there was when at the beginning of that, I was like, oh, there's all these continuity errors with the food, not really realizing that it's actually two different guys. Mm. I just thought it was one guy. Yeah. I had no idea. And this is the thing, like, I actually, the space station, the Jupiter stuff was my favorite. That's the core of the movie, I reckon. I say it was my favorite because everybody... there were bits I watched. And that's the bit everybody talks about because that's open the pod, day, pod bay doors, Hal. Yeah. You have to sit through, I think it's 22 minutes of monkeys. Yeah, right. And the first dialogue is at twenty-five minutes, and it's like yeah. one of the stewardesses, which is another problem. All of the <sighs> women are serving people or stewardesses. Well, somebody tweeted me about that, and I was like, "Are there any women astronauts?" I'm like, "No." Funnily enough, I actually think all women are good for in the future is serving men sushi through straws and talking about their husbands. Yeah, and, and I the th- first women wa- went into space five years before this movie came out. Mm. So fuck you, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, it's it's horribly sexist in that sense. I think there's one. I think one of the women astronauts in the spacesuits walking on the surface, I think one of the astronauts walking on the surface is a woman. Like, it's hard to tell because they're all in spacesuits, but one of them at least looked female to me. But I, I'm, it's I'm probably just another, like, young looking man with brown hair. Probably. Because that's who everybody but, in this movie was. And I didn't realize that there were some different characters. Yeah. And so that was annoying. That annoyed me too, because these sort of serving women. So that first women. guy, I didn't realize was one guy going through the whole thing for a while. I thought there were a couple of different dudes. Like, I just couldn't keep up with anything. I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, None. It was very, very much a movie for, in enthusiasts detail enthusiasts like i just uh, if you are a kind of person who's like stanley kubrick i think you'd probably appreciate all the detail and all the effort because 
it really does look amazing. Like all this, all the different ships and they have a very particular look and feel. And I kept thinking, this is 1968. All these effects are practical. How do they do this? And See, I, I would appreciate that for like a minute, but then it would go for five. Yeah, well, and you'd that's, be like, that's it. I can't take this. And and the space stuff, when the dude – okay, so the bit where the dude died, where like Hal in dramatic close-up then kills the guy with no, his mus- no sound yeah. at all, I laughed because I was just like, this oh. is the least tense thing yeah, I've ever seen. crazy zoom jump cuts, very 60s. It's so much a movie of its time too. It, it looks so 60s. I just – and then like Kia – I don't remember. I don't know. Oh, it's Dave, obviously. Open the pod bay doors today. Dave then doesn't care at all that this guy's died or doesn't no. seem to. He just has no reaction to it whatsoever. He's, he like, he's like, he does try and go out and get his body. And I then know. He fails at getting his body. And so he's like, oh, I'll open the pod bay doors, Hal. Yeah. But he just doesn't have any reaction. And, and also, when the grippy things are trying to grip the body, I laughed then too because it's so clearly very, like, Difficult uh, for those, it and those impractical. Those little pods were pretty cool, like with their little um, T-Rex arms and yeah, stuff. Yeah, the little T-Rex arms were so useless. <laughs> well, that's... <laughs> I couldn't. That was like that sort of thing. But at least, you know, I was laughing. Mm. And I, I, there was a uh, bit at the beginning where I was thinking about like the, the stewardess's stick shoes. Mm. And I was like, how do they get the Gravity passengers yeah. into the into the um space planes and I was like maybe they like hold their hands and carry them along like a balloon <laughs> and I was like no that would be humorous and there's no room for humor in 2001 there is humor though I didn't there was the only humor that I found was when Hal was trying to save his own life and he was like okay Dave let's just take a chill pill I think you need to think about what you're doing let's just all relax here and that bit I oh, thought no, no, the, maybe um, the, was the anti-gravity toilet did you not see the anti-gravity toilet yeah but it just I that just was thought, funny I didn't think that well I I only said it's recommended that you read the rules and I was like yeah because it's an anti-gravity no, toilet No but the funny bit was him looking at that and like he ponders he puts his his hand on his his chin on his on his fist and is like I didn't think that was funny. See, that's the thing is, I was like, yeah, well, of course there'd be rules. There's rules for like toilets on planes. And so I just no, I that see that seemed funny to me. None of it seemed. I didn't. I I didn't find any of it like intentionally funny. I don't think unless Hal was intentionally funny. But at least I liked Hal. There was a bit- when they shut down Hal. I was like, no, he's the only character in this thing, and he's mm. just a red light. <laughs> like there's nothing in anything. Well, and also, and then the, the actual the- shutdown of Hal even seems quite. Because it happens so slowly, it actually feels quite anticlimactic. Yeah, but at least it happens. And then I was like, this bit feels climaxy. Why is there another half an hour of the movie to go? And, and then it is literally like a 15-minute light really show. it's really stupid. He goes through – so it's basically the end of Interstellar. He goes through a black hole – and emerges in another place. Is that place. what it is? Yeah. I couldn't tell. It was just and space shots with the And the other place that he emerges in has the big plinth thing, which the apes had as well, so that, you know, That's... it's like the dawn of human humanity. Yeah, but then, like, he I don't... He goes there via Versailles, apparently. Yeah, that bit. I was like, why is this happening? And, it, and well, then there was well, the baby on the bed, and then there was a giant well, space baby. Well, I, I'm assuming that's circle of life kind of thing, because it all... He's he's sort of there in the pod, and then he's in his spacesuit. Then he's old and eating dinner, and then he's really old in bed. And then the baby. I didn't know that again. was him. It took a minute, but I think I think that's right. I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't well, figure yeah. this movie out. So, and, and like I know it's supposed to be deep, but I was so bored that I couldn't think deeply about it. And I just see. I actually did. I got myself to a point where I was able to think about it, and it it kind of raised all these interesting questions, and it made me think. 
it made me ask all these interesting this is what happens when I get bored in a movie I have plenty of time to think about like the socio-cultural implications of said movie so I was thinking about like the time in which it came and like comparing it to the fact that this is this is a contemporary of the original series of Star Trek and I mean the two could not be more different in the way they think about space travel but it's also a contemporary like it feels very Mad Men-ish now because of the whole 60s vibe and the way the men treat the women and the, the way the whole office thing is at the start. Yeah. I was thinking about funny things to live tweet. <laughs> well, you missed out. <laughs> well, I just, I, I was so bored. I, was, I just can't express. And the thing is, I think all of that stuff I didn't think about because I think, I feel like I've seen almost everything from this movie in like a screen cap in an article or like somebody talking about it or something. We've and seen all the important bits, but there's a lot, it's a long movie. Well, that's that's what I mean. Like, it, I feel like all the major bits I already knew about and never had to watch. <laughs> so putting it all together, I was like, because because you you know how you always hear about different these movies out of context, mm. and then when you see the movie and you put it in context, you're like, oh, okay, two thousand one didn't do that for me because I thought there might be a link between the cool shot in the um tunnel and the ladies with their bubble hats and the space baby and the plinth thing but i couldn't there was it doesn't do that there is a link but it's just hard and you sort of have to really work for it no but i mean it doesn't tell me anything that i didn't know about it by reading it before reading about right, it right by having seen bits of it yeah exactly like it i knew what the i knew what the concept of it was already like the the birth of humanity the plinth is some kind of alien technology that helps humanity like bumps humanity along at certain points in its mm. yeah evolution so I, I already knew that but i thought somehow that the movie would actually kind of make it gel and go together but it doesn't it's just these awkward bits and pieces yeah and perhaps that narrative like i mean it might have been different if you were going into it to see it for the first time in 1968 if i had been going into it for the first time to see it in 1968 wouldn't i end. wouldn't have gotten to the end of the movie i would have been out of there before the apes finished like I was the first couple of times I tried to watch this movie. Yeah, I've only ever gotten as far as the um the first bit in space, to be honest, before. But I, I don't know, I didn't, you know, hate it quite as much. And I do it. know it's pretty, but again, like I would I would appreciate the prettiness of a scene for a bit. Mm. But watching it on and then I just got bored. And I was watching it on a little screen on my computer, which yeah. is why I wanted to watch it on a big screen actually. Yeah, I, I kind of would try, kept trying and then it never kinda no, came about. We, we just finding a, a copy of it to watch on the T V was hard. Yeah. And then we kind of ran out of time. I know that everybody is going to think that I'm some kind of pariah for hating 2001 the way I do. A lot of people hate this movie. A lot of people. I know. Particularly modern people. I think perhaps if you came up in the 60s when you were, things moved at a slower pace and you were used to this kind of thing. Even that first Star Trek movie that we watched. With the eight minute shot of the Enterprise. With the eight minute shot of the Enterprise was more exciting and interesting to me than sitting through this thing. Like... It, it does have a genuinely mind-numbing effect on me, where and that's why it's such a slog. It 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 puts my mind to sleep, and I'm like, no, I have to keep watching. Mm. And so I feel like I'm just having to wake myself up every five minutes. And that's why the live tweeting is the only thing that got me through it, is because I was actually trying to think of something to write, or I was like having a reaction and writing it down, and that would kind of wake me up a little bit. Right. Because and then you can see if you watch the live tweeting, there's a seven-minute period where I don't watch write anything. That's because things happened then. <laughs> That's when the whole how open the how, pod bay doors, how like bit happened because, you know, I was watching the movie. 
uh, I didn't have to wake myself up for a whole seven minutes. Like, and that's, I think, the longest stretch of movie I, that I could bit, get through. The bit I actually found the hardest was that end. Because oh, I stopped once, watching. I was not watching at all. I was writing my review of Gaby Baby. Once Hal had been shut down, I that it was that last bit, especially when the light show the the which I knew was a I knew it was a black hole only because I'd been reading the trivia on IMDb, and that was apparently I where um what's his name Nolan Christopher, Christopher Nolan? Nolan took his inspiration for Interstellar, which also has an ending problem. Yeah, it could have ended like half an hour earlier than it did, it, and the ending is stupid. Yeah, like it just didn't need. I, obviously, we needed to get him out of there, but I don't know that that was that ending, and and t- the fact that it took a whole half an hour. By the end of it, I was just like, I was just texting you. Oh my god, this was such a marathon! I finally made it, yeah. and I even shouted out, "I did it! I did it!" Yeah. And Jelly was like. And I was like, Jelly, I finished. And he's like, yes, you I know, see, you finished. Somebody, because I, I, I said on Silver Screen Queens that we that I was live tweeting and I think a couple of people watched me do it. And there was a guy who uh, tweeted at me, um, Roy Orbison singing It's Over. <laughs> it's really appropriate mm. and funny. But yeah, I, but, I like, literally felt opening, that way yeah, as well. Those, I like, I like, I was by myself. I wasn't talking to everybody and I like pumped my arms up. In yeah, I, I did the same. But it was honestly though, I didn't hate this. The ending was hard and there were bits at the start that were hard going too, but I think I having enough breaks, I think, was keeping me sane. Yeah. I honestly did hate this. I honestly hated this whole experience of having to watch this movie. I genuinely I, I wrote the two or three bits when I I I said I don't hate this bit. Because the rest of it really did feel like I was beaten being beaten over the head with something that was forcing me to fall asleep. Mm. And I couldn't yeah cope. see whereas i just thought it was it was very ambitious but in need of some significant reining in i could watch 15 minutes of this movie maybe i probably think probably a good half an hour maybe 75 to 90 minutes especially no, if you got all no, the extra no, no, that's way too long footage i reckon you could probably cut a good it is only two and a half hours it does feel like it's about seven hours but long. that that makes it only an hour off only taking an hour off would only be the apes at the beginning and the... i think you could take that an hour out and you'd probably have a much better movie. You'd have to take like two hours off this movie I, yeah. for me to be able to I stand it. I think they it. didn't do enough expanding of the the original short story either. I think they probably need to, if they're going to, like I think it, there's probably the bones of something good in there. And there's certainly a lot of ambition and a lot of incredible filmmaking in there too. Even bits like, you know when the girl is walking around this in the circle? Yep. And I was like, oh, that's neat. And it goes for like a minute. She yeah, just walks, yeah, she in walks that thing up, from yeah in the gravity. I shoes. swear, if the future took this long to do everything and nobody ever talked during it, none of us, all of us, would lose our minds. Mm. Like we don't do things like this, do we? Like, do people really just do nothing for as long as they take to do things? Nobody in this moves movie? that slowly. Nobody moves that slowly. Nobody in talks that slowly. No, that too. I felt like the whole thing was slowed down. I just was in awe of how bored I was. I've never been so bored watching a movie. So whoever picked this, well done on, you know, picking like the worst possible movie that you could have picked it's not for us to have to review. For me, it is. Okay. So how many stars are you giving it? I don't know if I can rate this. I don't feel like this I can. Is outside the realm of normal rating. <laughs> this is, for me, it is because I know I can't give an objection, uh, objective rating to this because I couldn't watch it. One star for the bit that I liked, I guess. I'm going to give it three stars for the 
bits that I liked and the cleverness. Uh, anyway, th- um, thank you, everybody, for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. And thank you very much to the people who gave us iTunes reviews suggesting movies. This is the first special. We're still working our way through some of the other movies, so there'll be more. And if you want to leave us an iTunes review with a recommendation for a movie in it, you are guaranteed that we will watch it. We watched we hate 2001, it. okay? Um, so thank you very much for listening. And if you would like to find... No porn. Yes, sorry. No, the rules are, yes, an actual feature film. No porn, please. Um, if you would like to read our show notes, you can find them on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. Um, you can find us on Twitter at screen underscore queens, where you, Katie will have linked to her live tweeting of 2001 A Space Odyssey, if that, that is the kind of thing that floats your boat. Personally, I muted her. Um, <laughs> And you could also find you would do that. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash silver screen queens and on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. Thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.